Welcome back to Joker Men. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And? We're joined by... I'm Matt Re- Farley. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Matt... No, there it's Matt. There, there it is. Uh, I, that's it. I'm back. You have failed to make me smile in your assessment of Shot of Love. You're... Uh, I was so angry listening back to to that two part episode. The things you were that, on w- that one of your Evan... your twenty five mile walks and and seething with yeah. anger the whole time. <laughs> and the things that Evan said about me and my legion of shot of love uh, proponents. I mean, you said some nasty things about us, Evan. Look, I just want to be. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. Uh, this was a long time ago in in Jokerman years, and I personally would hate to listen back i know ian listened back to that i was just listening to both parts yesterday also matt and i was a it was a terrible episode it was like one of the worst episodes we've ever done like they're just completely low t none of us neither of us wanted to be there we had terrible opinions uh but i was also shocked by how just um how 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 close-minded we were honestly yes like uh, most of the episode we spent just kind of talking about like oh this song sucks this song sucks. This song sucks. And I, I realized, like, listening back, like, I don't know if my brain has become bigger or smaller or more complex or <laughs> much simpler since then. But I don't I don't think that there are any bad Bob Dylan songs e- anymore. Like, I can't tell you a single Bob Dylan song <laughs> that I've I listened actually, to and be uh, like, this is bad to me. I don't want to listen to it. Every Bob Dylan song is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Within Bob Dylan music, but but the, uh, at the same time, there some is of one, them. There's one song on this record. We'll get even into that it. song. We'll, even we'll, that song. Even that I know song? that song. I'm into okay, that song now. I I, I don't want to like uh, jump the gun here, but I I just want to say that uh, I too feel that I've uh, turned a corner. I I also think my brain has become much more compli- complicated and uh, uh, much more. Uh, uh, sm- simple and smooth. Simultaneously much better and much I should worse. say more aerodynamic. That's sure. how my brain has become. It, it's great to um, to listen to your development, you know, and to just follow the, the track, uh, the path, as as Jokerman blows up, by the way. I mean, you guys are, are huge versus uh, where were you, you were uh, at Shot of Love Time. Shot of Love Time, you felt like you were talking to nobody. You know, you're just it's like, true. we're talking to... To nobody, but now people are listening, and um, you know. But I, I, I like, I like that you know. Evan famously called Ian a coward about his because uh, he wouldn't um, rip on the basement tapes in front of uh, whoever that guest <laughs> Stephen was. Hyden. Um, Stephen Hyden. Stephen yeah. Yes, <laughs> that was a classic moment, um, and so it was very uncowardly of of both of you to just rip on Shot of Love, um, but. And and I mean you, yours your original opinion is the like is the, the accepted sort of opinion. Consensus. I was reading this book. Yes, I was reading a book, uh, leafing through that book where it goes through song by song. It's just a gigantic Bob Dylan song by song. And um, I don't know who wrote it. It was at my mother in law's house. But uh, that like the dismissiveness about the sound. I don't get it. Like it even at one point it says the ru- it says it sounds like. They just put microphones in a room and hit record. And and what a shame is what they said. Like, what a shame. And and they also wrote a, a, 
what he'd do better in infidels and i'm i'm like the complete opposite infidels is so like it's so muted. fussed with it's so uh it's yes. it's one of those fussed with to oblivion type thing that's the negative uh take on it that some people have uh versus yeah the 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 more Steve Albini style, uh, Steve Albini version. Style. <laughs> well, in terms of, yeah, I mean, I'm not even being facetious here. It's like his, you know, he's a, a producer who really recognizes himself, identifies as a, an engineer. And this record feels much more engineered than it does produced. It has that yeah. in the room feeling that feels like spontaneous and, uh, relatively unadorned. Very much um, so. Yeah, I was thinking about it a little bit in context of like you know all of the other shit that we've listened to since this first this episode came out like almost a year ago. I can't believe that we're still doing this. Yeah. Um, but um, the stuff that we've listened to recently, um, and and I I actually see a lot of parallels between Shot of Love and Love and Theft. To be honest, in that it is a <laughs> you, you it, mean shot of the, shot, shot of love, of and, love theft, and theft, yeah, or, exactly. or love and shot and theft. Yes, love. there's got to be some great YouTube mashup yeah. of um, you know summer days and trouble somewhere, and, and in the summertime, in oh, the yeah, summer days, in the summer that? days time. You know, um, uh, somebody, but not to cut you off, but a listener had a great idea for a segment, which I maybe we can weasel in somehow, which is a. Uh, getting like a few different names together of uh, actual fan bootleg titles and then we make one up and then we have uh, a guessing game of yeah, we'll which see one we is can, real. Yeah. We'll we'll do that on I the like uh, the Jokerman game show episode. In, in the summer days. <laughs> anyways, the 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 similarity between the two records I think is not in the the songwriting cuz Bob was writing very different songs 20 years apart obviously, but I think every so often he just gets in this mode where he's like I want to make a record that sounds exactly the way that I want to make it sound. And he had just come off Slow Train and Saved, which had been in Muscle Shoals, which had been fussed over as well to some degree. Street, uh, Street Legal right before that, also obviously kind of a tortured sound. Shot of Love, just like Love and Theft coming after the Lanois period, is just like, this is mm. just pure, uncut Bob. And I think that's yeah. great, and I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's also and one of his shame. personal favorites, apparently. It's yeah. a record that yes, Dylan... I was, yeah. I was just about to say, what a shame. It's like I feel so much for him in those interviews where he's sitting there and he's like, I, I really like Shot of Love. I, uh, and, it, and like he's looking around for anyone to like, give him <laughs> affirmation. He's like, anyone? And, and just crickets, you know? Like no, Bono's the only person with exactly. the, the bravery to, to stand up for this album. <laughs> and, and you can see in that interview, also, maybe we'll repost that. We've posted it a couple of times. But Bob is like, like really? You, he says something like, not, not a lot of people tell me about that, about that record. I can't, I can't believe so you lie. I, I feel the I same way. I wonder if, if Bono was maybe being a bit of a, a sycophant, a bit of a kiss-up in that moment. And, and maybe that's the case. Whether or not he, he was, I think he it. was right. Yeah, that's the most important thing. And, and back to us evolving on this topic, on this album, Shot of Love. I think that uh, probably the only honest way that you can come to really appreciate a record that is, is by kind of um, struggling with it in a way. Like there's yeah. there's the people who pan a record and then never want to listen to it again. And then there's people who pan a record and then over time find something to like about it. And then eventually the, the thing you like about it becomes the thing you identify that record by. And it starts to seesaw back the other way toward 
positivity, uh, uh, light, magic, hope, and a positive outlook. Yes. And it's um, yeah. good vibes only on this episode, contra the original Shot of Love episodes, which were extremely bad vibes. And there's this a whole podcast. That, there's a whole <laughs> podcast that, what did you say, Veed and Fleece? That was my album where I hated Veed and Fleece for like five really? or ten years. So I and know you loved Veed and Fleece. I snapped. Now it's my favorite band album. Wow. Even more than latest record project. Wow. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a good segue real quick. Also, we should just note, this is the first in a series of revisited episodes that we're going to be doing here on Jokerman Podcast as we get close to wrapping up with Bob, honestly. Uh, and we've kind of gone through, uh, you know, I mean, from beginning to end. We're, we're not we're, really that close. But we're kind uh, of close. We're getting there. I think we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning at this point. But That's anyways, true. now that we've spent this much time and, and struggled with these records, some of them uh, that we've struggled with a little bit more than others, uh, as Evan was saying, we're going we're gonna to come back and, and see if we can reappraise them now that we have uh, a, a deeper, wiser, smoother brain uh, and a deep well of guests who want to come on and chop it up with us on these. So, uh, Matt, you are the first in the uh, in the yeah. roster here. Should we uh, blow Thank the horn you. and and uh, and take a shot? If if uh, I could just before we do that, say uh, if you don't know who Matt Farley is, uh, oh yeah, of course, get a fucking get a life, yeah. get a life. But uh, world's greatest songwriter, world's greatest songwriter. Yeah. Uh, many say this, and it's been proven by. Uh, it's been proven empirically. It's, yeah. Yes. Mathematically, so, scientifically. And also, uh, possibly world's greatest, uh, filmmaker. Um, yep. Two. Yep. Just want to throw that out there. Metal uh, detector maniac coming to Blu-ray in October. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna be real good folks. Get ready. Can't but wait. truly, uh, all jokes aside up a, uh, you know, work of, uh, uh, a, 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 one of the most prolific uh, force of nature of creative energy, this man. An essential yep. American artist in the 21st century. I'm using that quote. <laughs> You're welcome to. All right. I think we've set the table. I need. I need. I need. I need. I need. Uh, sure. oh. <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, okay. I have so much to say. First, first off, like the the th- the thing about this, and you know, I compared this album uh, on Twitter the other night to "Love You" by the Beach Boys. Which mm. a- anyone out there? Fantastic record. Okay, so "Love You" is is this where they the Beach Boys like they got Brian out of his bed and they're like. And Brian's like, I'm ready to make a record. And they're like, okay, you know, last time you made a record, you know, like when you made Pet Sounds, we didn't like that one either. We're just going to do what you say this time, you know? And, and Brian Wilson writes Love You with these, like, like this song called Solar System, like, Solar. So and like good. Just, and the rest of the Beach Boys are like, okay, let's just go. Let's just go. The, the Johnny Carson song. The Johnny Carson, yep. The Johnny Carson song. And also matches the Lenny Bruce song too exactly. on Shot of Love, yeah. you know? And Ding Dang. You know, another thing, another parallel is uh, I just watched a recent interview and I, I read the whole autobiography of uh, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson's favorite Brian Wilson record, I mean Beach Boys record, Beach Boys Love You. 
yeah, well, record. he's right. He's absolutely right. It and 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 it's it's incredibly raw, but but the thing, the key thing is that it's the kind of thing where you sit back and you just think, what did everyone else in the room think when they're going along with this? You know, because right. there's something. So it's like, okay, I guess we're singing about Johnny Carson, you know. And likewise, Dylan just gets everyone yeah. around in the room. They're like, all right, all right, here's the here's the lyrics. Shot of love. Everyone's like, hmm, all right. Like it doesn't. It doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't feel right. And there, there's almost something a little goofy about it. And then, but yeah, then. Yeah, I don't need a shot the, the of turpentine. <laughs> people actually drink turpentine, I, I read. That's a thing. Don't, I'm, don't, I'm not really? recommending it. We need to get into <laughs> that more in a minute. But uh, go on. So, so the, and, and they make shot of love. And from, from an outsider's first view, you're like, this is ridiculous. This is like, what are you talking about, Bob? This is ridiculous. Does he say, I don't need to be president? Is that one of the lines? No, he says, don't, don't need, need a, a shot, shot of, whiskey. of whiskey to help me be president. Help me be president. To help me be president. Oh, well, okay. I don't <laughs> know what he's talking about, but then something clicks in your head and you're like, wait a second. This song is so good. I am so pumped right now. When did Eye of the Tiger get written? Because... Uh, right. who, Survivor yeah. totally stole this vibe from Bob. Yeah, this is kind of ultimately, no matter what the song is technically about, it, that that kind of just doesn't matter because it's it's a it's a song of personal empowerment, uh, kind of through <laughs> through Christ, but also through uh, he does something so ca- casually, like on on this song, you know, it's the third of the so-called the Christian trilogy. And on this song, which has allusions to Jesus, it actually seems to just go, um, he feels comfortable enough that he doesn't have to directly say, this is a Jesus song, you know, in the song. He, yeah, he, he has totally assimilated the, the idea of love as, as Christ. It's like, it's like already built in there. I need a shot of love. Yeah, well, this song is biblical in the way that um, "Blood on the Tracks" is is Chekhovian, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. In that, That's like, a good way to maybe put Bob it. really was maybe Bob really was basing "Blood on the Tracks" on some Chekhov uh, plays or whatever. Is that that's yeah. what he said, right? Chekhov. That is what yeah. he said. Short I mean, it's stories, the same thing. And, and the thing is, like, Chek- Chekhov is. It's not like totally erroneous. It's like Chekhov is a, one of the great writers. There's so much there that like could be Bob Dylan material. So, hey, you know, it could it could be true. So the the Bible is the same launching point for this album as Chekhov was for Blood on the Tracks, and it's just and and uh, you know, I mean, Dylan obviously the lyrics matter a lot, but. In this album, it's not a, it's it's just about the sound and the energy more so than the lyrics. I mean, I the, I'll grant the emotional, you there's some the emotional quality. Yeah, yeah, that, yes, yeah. He was not pure. at the top of his game lyrically, you know, uh, at this particular moment in time. But I think sound wise and vibe wise, you're exactly right, Matt. It's just well, he like, wasn't and, and he wasn't the consistently because the way the it, music one of your favorite songs is lyrically is on here. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, one of them, and there's a couple others from this, you know, era as well. Like we talked about uh, last time, Caribbean Wind. Um, you know, but he, yeah, he wasn't consistent in it. Uh, but musically, at least, you know, just like besides the lyric, it just like comes in. It's so dramatic right off the bat, and then the whole band just there's that moment when it all just like fucking hits you, and it's so like hard and heavy and like completely unlike anything he had done in the preceding 
I don't even know, like ever maybe like this is kind of like yeah. the hardest and heaviest I think that he ever ever sounded before or after. Oh no no actually love- there's a, there's one other song that goes this hard. It's a little number called The Usual. <laughs> How could I forget? What is the usual? I mean, I'm, what's that? Where's my birds? Where's the swine? I'm not thirsty, but I'm standing in line. I'll have the usual. seen hearts of fire oh okay i haven't seen it no yeah no. <laughs> see the hearts you of fire on is no but you you actually of all people do need to matt because hearts of fire in some ways feels like a matt fart like a motor media movie like a little <laughs> bit like it feels kind of like it was just sort of done with like a bunch of people who are just kind of like all right well let's do it and and uh yeah, you well, know it's it's not as good as your films but it's um it has some of that homespun feeling nice and there's so, an original uh, about, song like the usual how about bob and, and like sometimes during the verses while he's singing and like every once in a while the the little bound bound oh. will come back it'll come back and it's just like just Hell explosive yeah. and oh my god and it's I, and again there's a little goofy like from taking it from a outsider's perspective, just to imagine all the backup singers screaming about "Shot of Love" and it's, like, of it's love. funny, it's funny, but it's actually good and and it's inspiring and and it's just the sound like the that that's I think that's the sound Bob likes and like you said, it does have the same feel as as Love and Theft. Like, just put the microphones in the room. The only difference exactly. is. Um, he was a little bit more frantic at, the, at the, in this era than he was for, uh, for uh, Love and Theft. For Love and Theft, yeah. Which shows, you know, on the record and all the songs that are going to end up following. You know, he's um, he, he, he is kind of all over the place on this record the same way that he is on Love and Theft. Not with the same kind of, like, masterful, deft touch that he has 20 years later. But I think a lot of those same impulses were there at this moment in time. Especially, at, you know... After the the previous Christian records, it definitely seemed like he was feeling a little straitjacketed at that point, where like all he was doing was writing about Jesus. The only songs he would play live were you know uh, Christian songs. Uh, you can see on like the '81 tour that's at the end of uh, Trouble uh, No More um, that he brings back some of the the classics, some of the favorites, and he feel those songs feel so much more kind of. Um, alive than they had previously especially yeah there's a rolling stone that feels like in light of all these biblical songs takes on this uh, biblical strength Dimension. of like Absolutely. yeah it, it has a whole new angle to it and i think shot of love could be seen as i mean in a way the most sophisticated christian type record he he did because it has uh, i would i mean maybe the most uh, sophisticated in that category is like quietly and covertly um john wesley harding but other than that shot of love is is a record that fully uh has absorbed those christian ideas into something where he no longer has to telegraph it totally. Like, it, yeah, this was it, one of the like actually good points that you made on the episode, Evan. Uh, oh boy, previously. I made a, a good point. <laughs> yeah, was it, but it was along the lines of what you were just saying. Is like by this time, Bob has started to integrate the Christian, um, you know, material and dimension into more natural sounding songs 
that that kind of weave weave his own personal you know life and and opinions with the Christian themes and stuff instead of exclusively only having just a hundred percent kind of like you know Christian material. Yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's like more playful with it actually. Yeah, exactly, and he's like he's integrating it into his like you know body of work the same way that he did other kind of um, other kind of literary and uh, poetic uh, references and reference you know, earlier in his career with, uh, with all the, the classics and stuff. I'm sorry that, um, for Bob's sake, like I, you can kind of look at this as Bob being like, let me try to do one the way I want to do it production wise. And he does shot of love and it's poorly received. And in that kind of, in some ways could explain where he goes with infidels and empire burlesque. Um, exactly. Which, yeah. And imagine just like, imagine if this were well received if we had got, you know, then he felt emboldened to to treat those next two albums in a similar way. Yeah, it is but, a shame. You know, then we we would have lost the MIDI um, accordion in a yeah, tight that's connection. true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and all time top ten, top ten. Don't forget about it. It's all in time. the top ten. That is a, a really good point, and and it makes me think about all those times when Dylan has said, you know, I, I've. I kind of I like shot of love. <laughs> it's like sad. <laughs> people are, people are like, oh, this garbage album. Like on the Wikipedia for uh, shot of love, there's actually a section just <laughs> says after aftermath. Not every album has that. <laughs> I I, I kind of like shot of love. I don't know. So it's, has he um has he performed shot of love since like. 1981 the 80, song that, 89 that, is the last i have the uh bob old, old bob wow. dylan.com 89 was the last play he played it 76 times so it's you know he's played it uh but he only played it between yeah. july 1st 81 and november 2nd 89 it's uh it is consigned to the dustbin of history at this point uh unless unless he brings it back yeah. in uh on the 2022 tour um, Fingers well, yeah. crossed. so anyway just way to go way to go bob wow it's a, gr- it's a great what, opener like, Yes, I was. We're, we're on the same uh, lines. I was just about to say that, like, it's a mission statement. Exactly, um, just sets the attitude. It, and then and on we go to on um, we go to a, a song where oh. it, back to just what we were talking about. It's it's a, such a breath of fresh air after a song like that to not have another pummeling, uh, proselytizing number uh, like yeah. he had been doing, but one that is as free, easy, and and open as as he ever can get with heart of mine. Mm. Yeah. And I've read, I've read reviews saying like, Oh, this is like an offhand, um, take with, uh, you know, Ringo Starr and Ron Wood. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're like saying like the, you know, that they're complaining that not a lot of effort went into it, but it's like, no, this is, this is exactly what we need for this kind of song. It's just this cool, um, you know, almost lo-fi um it it could be it could be like big orchestration and and super dramatic but it's just this lo-fi approach and and i mean it's proto it's like proto wilburian type music you know (laughs) in a way there's a great cover by uh great cover by nora jones and a great cover nora uh, jones did this yeah, that's funny. And, and and Blake Mills as yeah, well. Yeah, the Blake Mills one is the one that uh, we had on the uh, covers playlist, which is a fantastic version. Also, just very faithful. Also, like you don't need to fuck with this song too much. It's yeah, such and that, a, the such song a perfect little gem. The song itself feels like almost a, 
like it could have been a cover of a classic, just like, oh, we're going to take this one out and give it a spin. My One of my favorite things about this song is the way it sounds. And especially like you hear them just kind of uh, futzing around a little bit at the beginning. Like the, um, you can hear just like the plucking a, a little bit on, on the guitar, just kind of like as, as they're getting ready to play. It feels so yeah. true. Honest music. I love and that a, sound. A great song. I love the sound of a band. It's a band like coming together as the song is, you know, they're they're not quite on the same page when it starts, and it's cool to hear them slowly get on the same page. Right, they put it together and, and over like the course you said, of the song. Yeah, and it, it it does sound timeless. It could be it could be a standard, and and especially like you said, it's it's almost as if Bob found like like in uh, AM radio standard from like 1971, and then did his kind of garage rock version of it, except. Except he wrote it to begin with, you know. Yeah, when, um, yeah, yeah. It feels like it could have been a song with like big, um, overwrought strings and you know, heart of mine, be yeah. still. But it's so, uh, yes. it avoids being that corny song that it could have been, and it it ends up taking the uh, off the cuff casual road that makes it actually feel fulfilling without even trying. That and hard. I would say. I would say the same thing for Watered Down Love, except that if Watered Down Love was like a, a Motown hit, you know, for like the Supremes or, yeah. or the Temptations or something, like that, it makes sense in that context. Like I could totally see Diana Ross singing Watered Down Love and it working perfectly. <laughs> when Bob does it, you're taken aback <laughs> for a little bit. But if you just reset your brain and just say, no, this is Bob singing like a Smokey Robinson song, then you're yeah. like, oh. Like, wow. I get it now. You don't want a love that's pure. <laughs> well, not to get the... Don't we get too, a little bit, yeah, uh, we'll get too far ahead of yourself. But next, next uh, we've got a song that, you know, we've, we've gone through how Bob gives us an explosive opener with some foreshadowing of some darker themes. We've got Heart of Mine, a pure, uh, open-hearted, and uh, uh, e- easy breezy number and then we've got a song that is uh sort of the fulfillment of a a synthesis of his religious uh high horse and his uh and his newfound sense of mischief or or playfulness in a way something like that yeah property of jesus uh yeah him to the bone you've got something better you've got a heart of stone yeah, this song. I love it. It's it's, it's so, so sarcastic. Uh, it, that's how the playfulness sort of manifests here, right? It's just like the most the bitter is, <laughs> sarcasm. Yeah. Like, the, well, here's the problem. We we like Bob's bitterness in the '60s. You know, in right. the '60s when he's singing bitterly at the Masters of War, we're like, yeah. Now he's singing bitterly at at people who who look down upon religious people. Yeah, and it's like, I guess it's not quite as cool, but. And it, it doesn't even have to apply to re- like I know he's specifically talking about religion, but if you're looking at it in in a, a wider way, it just any anyone who goes against the grain you, does get that kind of reaction, you know, um, right. for for any number of reasons. And so you can totally apply it to several situations. And um, you know, because he doesn't tell you jokes and fairy tales, say he's failed to make you smile. I mean that that doesn't that's not the most like smooth 
poetic line in the history of music. But again, yeah, but there, he gets there's, the point a, there's another and, great line. Uh, what does he say about um, because he doesn't make money by uh, at someone else's expense, and or because yeah. he's not afraid to try? He you'd say that well. he yeah. he has no style. These things are good yeah. values, you know. He's he's talking Amen. about uh, how it, he's basically just call, it's like uh, calling out fake friends here is what he's doing. But he's yeah, but it's not as cool. Though. It's definitely not as cool. It's basically well, it's suddenly saying, like, now yeah, the I'm ner- the listener is like in 1981, you know, especially as things are shifting away culturally to become more um, conservative and a little bit more like uh, money and and material values are kind of taking a deeper root in the mainstream idea of cool. This song yeah. is a bit transgressive. It's like suddenly I, the listener is maybe, maybe I'm the one he's, he thinks is uh, an asshole. Chris, Christianity yeah, is the yeah. new punk rock. Yeah. yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> he's just saying Christianity is the, uh, yeah. Something Christ like is the new Johnny Rotten. Yeah, and the song is powerful. Oh song rocks, God. absolutely. Like, yeah. dun, dun, this, dun, that big dun, dun, chiming, dun, dun. yeah, oh. that oh, it's so good. And the and the backing vocals here, it's like a whole fucking choir of angels behind him. There's this great guitar solo, like two thirds of the way through, that is just kind of like so squelching. Big. Yeah, oh man, it. This is like, the, I think sequencing on this record is so perfect because you know we start off with "Shot of Love," or like you know big bright lights, hard heavy sound right into Heart of Mine, super low-key, chill, just like perfect little pop song. And then we're right back up with this just like enormous kind of sound, and we're going to go right back in the other direction in a moment after this song. But like he's doing such a good job like like just hopping back and forth between these different styles and moods, even if the songs themselves aren't like the greatest ones that he ever wrote like from a lyrical standpoint. Uh, there's just like, it, there's so much life and energy, I think, on this record. And so... So exciting, especially coming on the heels of a couple Christian records that were all like pretty, you know, good, good, you know, um, good to great, depending on what song and what record, but like all very kind of one note or like one kind of consistent mood and vibe all the way through. It seems like the record of a man who feels very secure in his in, in what he's saying. And I think that that probably has something to do with why Dylan seems to be so proud of the record or was uh, uh, on on the heels of its release only to maybe be disillusioned by the lukewarm response. But the actual record itself, it seems to really reflect a, a sense of confidence and security in himself. And it, it's, it's paced like a really good live show. Yeah. It feels like yeah. a live performance. And, yeah, and it's clearly it. like the record that he wanted to make. Like it's got some Christian shit on there. But it's not a hundred percent Christian shit. It's just like kind of what was coming naturally to him. Like some, you know, some of these songs are going to be about Jesus. Some of them aren't, and that's fine. You know, this is just this is where he was at. It, it feels really kind of um, uh, natural and effortless, I think, uh, compared to things that came both before and after it. Um, and yeah, Matt, you raised a, a good point. You know, just like imagine what could have been throughout the '80s if this had been a you know a well received yeah. record. Yeah, yeah the, the um, Christian stuff might have just. Uh, it might it might have continued to be there a little bit more presently if he had gotten more positive uh, response to this album, but I think it was on its way out even, or it was on its way to being, as we discussed a little earlier, being fully integrated 
to a point where it wouldn't have even been uh, so crazy to people to be like, oh, he did Christian albums, then he stopped. I think after it, this album is a, if he had just continued and maybe was treated to a little bit of a, a better response, maybe it wouldn't have been so abrupt. It would have continued to be this sort of slow trickle out of that um, more straightforwardly uh, yeah. it's Christian still, mode. It's still there, though. Like, uh, you know, like even Ring Them Bells. Ring Them yeah, Bells. Yeah, Ring Them Bells. Like a, Disease yeah, of absolutely. Conceit. Disease of Conceit is, not, is, not is, the is kind of the other bit. side of the coin of uh, Property of Jesus, which has this sort of angry uh, energy but it feels like it's a, a tackling a similar issue the 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 character he's mocking in property of jesus who has a heart of stone is a uh, is somebody afflicted with that that <laughs> disease of conceit he's the property of jesus what a great I love that. So it's so clunky and stupid, but so good. He's yes. the property. Of, well, yeah. he you know, is the property of Jesus. Yeah, this reminds me of another song. Ian, actually, come to think of it, what song is uh, that? It, it, one of our favorite songs about Israel. Uh, uh, oh dear, <laughs> neighborhood. It neighborhood is like bully? neighborhood bully because it has that sort of. It's all the whole song is built around something that is right. completely sarcastic. Yeah, it's all ironic. And it, yeah, property of Jesus is. It's in that in this case it's in earnest the saying that that somebody is the property of Jesus right but you know, the you've got something better you've got your something heart of stone better. yeah exactly you've got that's... a heart of stone that's sort <laughs> of you know he's the neighborhood bully oh. uh, man there's a great cover uh, by the Pretenders there's a, I saw a live performance by the Pretenders doing uh, property, uh, of, property Jesus? of Jesus wow rocking yeah in- incredible like I couldn't believe it like they're they're just going all out to this big crowd. That's such a like wow. That's like that's about as deep a cut as you're gonna get when someone pulls a Bob cover out. Property of Jesus. Maybe maybe we can throw that in here. Yeah, that's badass. Foot of pride, foot of pride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of uh, obscure covers, like Lou. Uh, Well, should we? uh, Should we? Should we motor along to uh, one of just and. Motor along in a taxi. In a taxi, perhaps. exactly. Uh, to a, an item, a, a nice little bit of all-time Jokerman lore. Uh, maybe the song that we have cracked the most jokes about. Lady out of all Bruce of the songs. is dead. <laughs> I used to think... Uh, it might be Chrissy Hines solo. It might not be The Pretenders, by the way, but you'll find it. Sure. Um, I I used to call Lenny Bruce the worst song on the album, and um, like last time I was on your show, I'm pretty sure I said that. And um, n- now I'm just like, no, I love I love this song. See, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Evolved, even someone who loves the even record. I evolved. I'll grant you that Trouble is probably the worst song on the album. That's the one <laughs> I was referring there, but, to. Um, yeah. We're gonna get there. <laughs> but uh, Lenny Bruce, again, the clunkiness is endearing. You yes, know, the, yes, the, the yeah. phrase property of Jesus, it's just, you know, and so then that that brings you to the whole like, is this like a so bad it's good thing? But it's like, no, no it's really it's well, not a so bad it's good thing. It's just a, a good in a different way. It's good in that it it's a song that is, serves a purpose, which is to highlight and pay tribute to another artist. And I on the grounds of defending a song, which I never thought I would have to defend as much as I've had to, which is Roll on John. I'm now going to stand my ground and say Lenny Bruce is also good 
because yes. uh, I, I can't defend Roland John on one hand and then that, pan Lenny Bruce on the other. I have to be your, consistent here. That was your initial take uh, on on the on the previous episode. You were you said something like uh, if if Lenny Bruce paved the way for Roland John. Even if it isn't a good song, I need to I need to honor it and, and appreciate it for well, that. I, I'm I'm really proud of myself from a year ago for making that <laughs> connection. But I'll, I'll go one further and I'll say that I think it's a sweet song. It's so yes. Bob. It's just so Bob. Like you know, there's so there's putting this song on this record and making it sound like this with these lines is like. You know, people get accused of like chasing, uh, chasing fame or chasing like trends and stuff. And obviously, you know, Bob would kind of get accused of that a little bit. <laughs> he uh, he was chasing years. that big Lenny Bruce uh, song yeah. resurgence of nineteen eighty one. It's just like it's such a it's such a charming song because like it doesn't it doesn't fit in anywhere in terms of like the kind of pop music <laughs> there's, uh, there's rubric. No- no record that he could have made where this wouldn't have right, stuck exactly. out like a sore thumb. It just exactly, and and so that I just love that about it. It's like on a on a record that sounds exactly like the kind of record he wanted to make at this moment in time. This is the song of all the songs that's like this is this is just pure straight shot of Bob right here. It can't come from anyone else. Can't come at any other time. Shot of love, eighty one. Lenny Bruce had to be there. How about when he says? He was an outlaw, that's for sure. And then suddenly, yeah, I feel like, I, I just imagine you're in the audience, you know, and suddenly he's like, more of an outlaw than you than ever you were. Ever. And like the audience is like, what What? Are, what did I do? I'm just listening. I, I love that. Uh, <laughs> it, I think that there's a point that could be made that as whatever you feel about Lenny Bruce, the Lenny Bruce that Bob Dylan sees and believes in, that person and that character, that archetypal role that Lenny Bruce had in Bob Dylan's imagination. That's, that's the more important thing than whatever you think about Lenny Bruce himself. Even it's like, uh, Lenny Bruce is, is just sort of a, an ideal in this song. It's what's something that fascinates me is like when something works versus something doesn't work, you know, like, uh, in in simple twist of fate, uh, he sings "Hunter down by the waterfront docks." Wa- he go- he walks around with a parrot that talks. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like that is that's like the worst. Li- like if if I wrote that, um, you know, with another writer, they'd be like, "What are you? T- you can't write with a parrot <laughs> that talks." That is such a desperate attempt to keep the rhyme going, and it, like a parrot that talks. Like what, no one says that it doesn't fit. It's insane. You know. And yet it works. And then, but then in Lenny Bruce, you know, he says like they stamped him and labeled him like you do with pants, pants and, and shirts. shirts. And it's like, all time. Like, okay. All and we time. laugh. We laugh at that. And we're like, well, that doesn't work. Like, why? I don't even, I don't know why one works and one doesn't. That's and, a very Brian Wilson esque even... uh, type of lyric. It is a very Brian Wilson. Yeah. It sounds like something that would have come yes. off of uh, imagination or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I mean, in the Johnny Carson song from Love You, it has the same kind of thing. Like, when guests are boring, he <laughs> fills up the slack. Yes. Like, Brian, what is wrong with you? That's insane, and yet somehow I love it. And, and like, uh, Dylan must have just been going through uh, a Brian Wilson-esque um, manic uh, stage in 1981 when he was just he was just writing it and not worrying about it, and... And in many ways it doesn't work, and it, but then I like I loop around and I'm like, wait a second, it does work. I, he's right about the he, pants. It and is shirts. like pants and shirts. 
he did fight a war on a battlefield where every victory hurts. No, he did. He, yeah. he was uh, he was labeled, you know, by uh, the. It feels <laughs> like it's like a fifth grade. It's like a fifth grade book report almost. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like my book report today is about Lenny Bruce. And then like, and then the teacher's like, why did you do it on Lenny Bruce? Well, once, once I rode in a taxi with him, it was only a mile and a half, but, (laughs) and what's he saying? It seemed like a couple of months, like, it was like so boring. Yeah, that, the taxi line it, uh, is just it, absolutely it inscrutable. Yeah. Like I have no idea. I think we, we bashed it a lot when when we did the first episode on this because we we're like, oh, it's like it's like saying like, yeah, I uh, I rode in a taxi with the celebrity once. It was like, yeah. you know, we talked. It was only five minutes, but it's like I'll never forget it because we like it was so deep, like our conversation and. <laughs> Just we, insane. We had a like, spiritual connection. I love it. There's no editor. No editor. No. D- Danny Lanois exactly. would be like, no, Bob. Do, we're cutting the we're taxi cutting line. Exactly. And Bob would be like, fine, you know. But thank God Lanois wasn't there to ruin this album. Pure, unadulterated Bob. And and it's clearly a song that he, because uh, he, he's brought this back. This is, I think, yeah. the most recently played song of all of these songs. He was playing this on the 2019 tour. Uh, and he played it all throughout the '80s and '90s. Well, it's um, it's relevant yeah. as ever. I've, I've heard him play it. Yeah. It, you know why it's so relevant as it's ever been? Why is it so relevant? Because Lenny Bruce is still dead. In fact, possibly more so. <laughs> sure, <laughs> this is a good point. He's not getting any less dead. The song is not any less true. Uh, and and the sound the sound is great. I, again, it's so loose and it, it so feels like like the band kind of just learning it as they go. Yep. And and for some reason we celebrate that when it happens on Blonde on Blonde, and we were angry about it when it happens in Shot of Love. But yep. not me. I, I'm I'm equally happy. And I just if I forget, uh, remind me. Um, Groom still waiting at the altar. Better than Tombstone Blues. Okay, just wow. remind me to say that. You're, later. Just, you're yeah. just dropping bombs before we even get there. We don't even have to wait that long, but because we have one song in between <laughs> until we get to Groom Still Waiting at the Altar. What, mm. what, what is it? It's Water. You want to drown love? You want to drown? Our next song is You Don't Want a Love That's Pure. You Want to Drown Love? You Want to Water Down Love? He uh, introduces it that way uh, yeah. in a couple live performances. Yeah, that's live performances on He the, really uh, does? Really? Yeah, he goes, yeah, he You does. Don't Want a Love That's Pure. You Want to Drown Love? You Want to Water Down Love? And the it's band like just when like I, kicks in before he I even saw, finishes talking. I, I saw Brian Wilson. I think I, I've told this story before. Where uh, I saw Brian Wilson uh, play at the Hollywood Bowl, and before his song, he said, um, "One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Here's another song by the Beach Boys." <laughs> uh, I love Brian. Okay, so watered down love oh. is. Is a Motown song. I, like I said, it, I don't even know if Smokey Robinson was Motown, but you know, just that kind of poppy soul, late '60s into the '70s um, feel, where they were just cranking out pop hits. And and Dylan was like, "I want to do that," you know. And he did. And again, like we said earlier, it's a pop song that is reimagined in a sort of like garage rock um, vibe, and and that makes for an even more uh, interesting song. And yes, it's silly, like it's a silly concept, but stop in the name of love is a very silly concept, you That's know, but I, it's a great song. Like, come yeah, on, Bob, can't I guess Bob it, do this? Bob it comes down to the, the, the sort of 
the presence and the 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 kind of performer he's set himself up to be and the way that he's chosen to execute this it, i think that that's sort of where it gets lost in translation or it got lost in translation because with with so much motown and um soul music stuff it's like there's such an impeccable like athletic sort of muscular sense of like nailing this stuff like it's so tight the everything is so like razor sharp like james brown shit you know it's just like so um airtight and then you have like a five seven jewish guy who's like famous for writing like surreal lyric lyrical songs about his emotional pain like people maybe just didn't make that connection like they didn't realize oh that guy is just trying to be James Brown now. And don't, I mean, I never read anywhere that he was specifically no, channeling you, that it, kind of you're music. You're right. I, think I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. You listen to like theme time radio hour. He play. he loves stuff like that and he plays it and he has a real affection for early sixties soul and Motown and all, uh, all kinds of non, non rock and roll Protest stuff. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's just—I mean, it's it, it, you take like uh, like obviously if you just listen to Masters of War, and times they are a changing, and then you and then you play Watered Down Love, you're just like, what? This does not compute. But um, but if you just if if you it takes time to reconfigure your brain into being accepting of Watered Down Love, um, but it it happens, and, and it's still goofy. It is still goofy. Yeah. I think even Bob knew it was goofy. Yes, and you need to meet it on its terms. Yeah, it's a little shambolic. It's a little. It's a little shaggy. But yeah, it's... the cut in particular, like this, the the music almost sounds like there's like like a like a track missing somewhere. Like someone was playing another guitar or something, and they just like left that off of the. Yeah, tape there, when there's they were a curious it. a curious skeletal uh, feeling. <laughs> To, <laughs> to the whole album, you're right. You're, the whole album has that. Where it, but th- that's where someone would have come in and added a MIDI a um, accordion. Yeah. Yep. You know exactly, and, and it ruined it. Like just let it breathe. He's letting it breathe. Very much so. And and I think that's why we have what we have on the record, and we don't have what we don't have. Uh, at the risk of sounding tautological, like you know, with Caribbean Wind, Bob like wrote that song and had a big long list of lyrics and stuff and like took years kind of hassling with it with it and struggling with it and then by the time he actually got into the studio and like started cutting actual like album album quality cuts he was like I just it, it's not here anymore I don't have it like this it whatever yeah. whatever I'm doing with the song isn't working I don't know how to make it work and so it you know never ended up making it obviously the version that we have is still fantastic but uh watered down love I think is like sort of like there's nothing here to fuss with, you know? It's just like, you got this song, you got these folks in the studio, you go in there, you hit record, everyone starts singing and playing their their guitars and their organs, and and, and you know, you're done in 15 minutes. It doesn't need to be any more uh, complicated than that. So many hooks, too. So many hooks. Oh, what a down love. Yes, you do, you know you do. Lyrically, it's it is back to this accusatory thing, where he is he is saying you don't want a love that's pure. You want you want bullshit hot dog water. You want watered down love. You want you want fake. You want the that bad stuff. And I I can I'm sorry that I can only give you pure and full bodied 
American love. Where in the world did the phrase <laughs> watered down love come from? Like, did he read that uh, somewhere? Or did well, he see you, it in a you know, dream or something? It's just like it's he the was most going baffling to, he was kind at of Ralph's, phrase. He was looking at the milk and he was looking at one percent. He was looking at, you know, the five percent uh, full, bu- full milk, one percent right. whole milk. And he was going, well, what, what if milk? What if the, uh, water? What if water? Down, what if you watered down your love? Love's love's brand <laughs> skim milk. It's watered yeah. down it's love. Watered down. It's watered down love. It's, it's watered down love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so many weird, clunky phrases in this album, and and you love him more for it. Exactly, because you know? he doesn't. It's, it's, it's so like, clear he doesn't have an editor on this record. This is just where his brain was at 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 the moment at this moment in time, and like. I think that's that's part of why I at least have kind of grown to love this record over time is like I just I love to see this glimpse of Bob's like semi malfunctioning brain in 1981 yeah, where yeah. he's just like completely at sea and the world is kind of passing him by and he's trying to get a grip on something. And I think honestly <laughs> succeeding to a, to a great degree, even yes. though the culture at the time was not very fond of this. You know, this was not Christian yeah. enough for the Christian folks. Obviously, the rock crowd you know, hated it. Rolling Stone gave it like an absolutely like savage review. Uh, you know, he 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 managed to piss everyone off with. Well, this they one. they don't want a love that's pure. They, they don't want to drown love. They want to water down love. love. Thankfully, the next yeah, song yeah. on the record is probably the one that makes the most sense, <laughs> and it, and is is probably the one that I I understand. If I, um, <laughs> it's the one that I understand so, what it means. <laughs> so we should. I mean, we should know. It's been noted, of course, but. That song, that this is Groom Still Waiting at the Altar, not on the original right. vinyl. Yes. Well, they said Bob. We need, on the ca- they said cassette. Bob. We need a hit. We need. <laughs> we need a catchy memorable <laughs> a song that you know is just gonna get people's attention. One that uh, yeah gets people moving. That they they can remember the lyrics and understand what it means. <laughs> You're like, coming I, at I us got, with all this. I got the one for all you. this heady stuff like watered down love and, and shot of love. <laughs> Two songs which on the same first side is watered down love and shot of love and heart of mine. <laughs> heart of mine and property of Jesus. Heart of you've got a heart of stone. Love yeah. heart. There's uh, hearts and love and um, that's what was going on. And, and we're following that trend of love, the idea of love with marriage and the idea of a groom and still winning at the altar. So. One thing I think I want to bring up is like I don't I don't know maybe it's a generational thing but the way you guys look at like traditional blues like the traditional blues form you guys just seem to be just like eh not for me almost but it, it feels like your idea of a blues band is 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 a blues hammer from the the movie Ghost World you know do you do you see Ghost World yes I, I know what you mean yeah I I think I think the the sort of bad. Um, uh, like, or Thoroughgood, like George Thoroughgood, kind of just like just awful, cheesy, like I think ruined what, blues versus what Bob liked. Right, exactly. What what blues has grown to mean in the culture at large is very different yeah. from like actual blues, historical blues. You know, the kind of blues artist that Bob was drawing on, and I think the latter, or you know, the the actual historical blues, that's one thing. But then, like when when someone says like, oh, that's a there's a blues band playing at the bar down the street tonight. Let's go see them. You know that's a different uh, that's a different kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, when hammer. when somebody says that, you know, you know, and I always hear kids say that. You know, there's a blues band playing. And <laughs> Don't you want to go see the blues come? band down the street with me? I, I personally, just to d- uh, jump in here, I've grown to I, like just totally organically through 
listening to this stuff and talking about it, I I now really like when I hear blues music, like regular, just straight up, like old, any old style blues music. It it is comforting and it's it's like nice to hear it uh, on a, on the level of it being familiar and sort of um, like it, it works in any season. I, I like the blues. Thank, and thank God, God for the blues. For the blues. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like Elmore James, um, you know, Elmore James, just specifically mm. like uh, he, he's great. And uh, so but but uh, yeah, I guess, you know. Um, you guys are like 15 years younger than me or something. And so maybe just, uh, you were more saturated with this, the, the horrible bland, uh, you know, current blues thing. But, um, so, but, but, okay. Groom still waiting. The altar is like, like Evan has said many times, sometimes you have a song like, uh, it ain't me, babe, which is good, but it's, it, it turned out there's a later version, another song later that's, touches on the same thing and is better. And the same thing with um, Tombstone Blues. Tombstone Blues is pretty much nonsensical, silly, um, you know, lyrics, just lots of uh, evocative images over over a bluesy music. And now Groom's Still Waiting at the Altar, lyrically, uh, pretty, pretty close, I'd say. <laughs> and musically better. Musically better. Because uh, Tombstone Blues, it can kind of grate on your ears. It's, it's, a like sharp, so... it's a sharp sounding song. Yes. No question. Like there's, there's, it feels like there's no bass in that song versus um, uh, Groom Still Waiting the Altar. I mean, that just, it's back to that big sound that mm. we have in Shot of Love and Property of Jesus. Like, whoa. And like, I, whew, I love this song. Heavy duty blue. Give me a shot of the blues. Am yeah, right? give me a sh- give me a shot of the blues. Uh, that's real. That's really good. And give me the shot of give me a shot of the blues. <laughs> um, I feel like I I I don't like I I see what you're saying on this one, Matt. Like the with the lyrics being like sort of nonsensical and stuff. And uh, for the life yeah. of me, I don't know what the hell's going on here. But I feel like where Tombstone Blues was, Bob, like kind of just having fun and and throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. I, I feel like he was going for something on this. So like, I, if you asked him, or if you asked him, he wouldn't answer you because he's Bob Dylan. But if you got somehow into his brain, especially at this time, and and just sort of unlocked the mystery of what was behind Groom still waiting at the altar, I bet there's something there that he, you know, did, clearly didn't really do a great job of getting across to people. But like, it feels like the kind of song that is. Is significant or has some sort of deep, heavy kind of message, even though he's literally saying, uh, you know, um, don't know what I can say about Claudette that wouldn't come back to haunt me. Finally had to give her up about the time she began to want me. But I know God has mercy on them who are slandered and humiliated. I'd have done anything for that woman if she didn't make me feel so obligated. It's (laughs) the fuck knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where he'd just be like, you know, the groom, you know, the groom's still waiting at the altar, (laughs) you you know, like. All right, all right, and and that's the feeling for a lot of this album. Where if anyone in the studio asked him, and they'd just be like, uh, "Okay, whatever, Bob," and then and then they do what he told them to do, and it would be awesome. What do you and think so, this like, uh, about? Justifies the means. I, what is I the group? I have no idea. I'm going to make a guess, which is I think that the metaphor is maybe like the return of the Messiah or something, or or like uh, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Maybe yeah. like the the. Like we're still waiting for Jesus to come back. Jesus being the uh, our wife, <laughs> um, where the, the the bride. 
or we, we or, are the property of uh, Jesus. Or we we are as the next song will will go into you know uh, de- uh, sort of we're spiritually empty and and the we're, we're awaiting some kind of uh, awakening, some kind of fulfillment. Well, he's he's talking about like the Mediterranean here. The 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 chorus comes back again and again. West of the Jordan, east of east the Rock of Gibraltar. Gibraltar. The Jord, so Jordan Jordan River, like in Lebanon, and then the Rock of Gibraltar, at, you know, the southern tip in Spain. I don't know what the Mediterranean has anything to do with this, especially because Claudette is down in Buenos Aires, apparently. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, it feels it like, you know, maybe he was getting, maybe there's some sort of like proto neighborhood bully message in here or something. I, I don't for the life of me. Know. Who knows? We don't need to know though. We, we don't need to know. That's you know, true. From a That's Buick true. Six, what, what is from a Buick six about? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a good um, point. Um, what, and what can and I say fine. about Claudette, you know? Yeah, that's exactly. I know. That I ain't seen her but, since January. Uh, she could be respectably married or running a whorehouse in Buenos, in Buenos Aires. Aires. I mean, that's that's a great line. And but let's just I just need to just point out this song is blazing. This song is just on fire. Well, that's the fire. most oh my God. That's the most uh, sort of baffling thing about it is that it's it's full of all this uh incongruous and confusing imagery and he sounds so passionate uh, about it. <laughs> like it's it makes oh. it all the more kind of confounding like well, what is he saying? Like he sounds it sounds like he he's he's like mad that you're not getting it. Right. Yeah, see here like here <laughs> I think exactly is this is uh, this is a pretty clean kind of line I think between something on Shot of Love, this song, and something on uh, Love and Theft, which would be you know several different songs. They're Honest with Me or Summer Days would come to mind, or even early Roman Kings off Tempest, where he's like deliberately working in this like super derivative kind of like dead simple straightforward blues kind of sound and rhythm and just overall vibe, but then putting all of his weird you know idiosyncratic bobness yeah. on top of that and where it works on those later songs you know maybe most famously on early roman kings and it works much uh, it works on the early songs too tombstone blues like you mentioned matt uh this is the one where like he's just in that awkward in-between stage where he hasn't graduated from you know wonderkind up you know as a kid uh, to wizened old vet he's like he's in the process of getting there and and that still is fascinating i think to uh to people with brains such as ours at least you br- you bringing uh, up summer days. I I just wanted like I only realized recently that there's the line, I'm gonna break the roof and set fire to the place as a parting gift. <laughs> what a great line in summer days. Oh my god. You could you could literally get like you could just like close your eyes and like point at a line on a page with all of the lyrics from Love and Theft and anything that you touched you could get as a tattoo on you if you yeah. were into. I'm leaving in the morning tattoos. just to, yeah. Leaving in the morning just as soon as the dark clouds lift, I'm going to break the roof and set fire to the place as a parting gift. I, I, it took me 20 years to realize what that line was. So and and w- what, a, what a reveal. So anyway, Groom, I mean, I, I, I think it's just so big. The sound is so big. I don't mind that I don't know what he's talking about. Like I just admitted, I went 20 years not knowing the line in Summer Days, and I, and I love Summer Days. Exactly. Um and now, and now, if if it does go a little, if 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 the album goes awry a little bit, we're we're getting close to uh, 
Dead Man, Dead Man is is I I love it. I love the vibe and the darkness, but it's Ooh. not my go-to track by any means. I love I love Dead, Dead, Man, Dead Man, Dead Man. This okay, is good. this is hot fire funk from Bob here. Yeah, I think Dead Man, yes. Dead Man is kind of one of the best. And most concise of uh, of the songs lyrically Ooh, on I here. Can't Ooh, I can't, I can't stand it. I can't stand, stand it. it. it Feels so bad. Yeah, dead man, dead yeah, man. I, it's great. It, it's about just a uh, spiritual emptiness. The you know you're you're uncool with God. You don't have that Holy Spirit in you. When will you arise? Or he says arise, right? Yeah, when will you rise? Cobwebs in your mind, dust yeah. upon your eyes. He's talking about I all of us to, who have yeah. who poisoned our minds and brains with with the internet on this one. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to walk into like a a club where this was just playing, you know, oh, on yeah. the on the DJ had Dead Man Dead Man playing. Oh, that's, think of that. That's that the hottest club fantastic. in town, right there. The DJ's got Dead Man I've, Dead Man spinning at ten thirty every night. I've never, yeah. I've never been to a club, so you know, <laughs> you should uh, you should start a GoFundMe just to raise the money to buy the rights for Dead Man, Dead Man, so you could have put that in a Motown Media film, a scene where <laughs> a character walks into a club where they're blasting. They're playing the song. Dead Man, Dead Man. Yeah. Incidentally, um, off topic, put Jandak on your list of uh, people to cover for um, future seasons. Oh boy, you know Jandak. Oh, that yeah, would we, be. I think we talked about Jandak last time you were here. Okay, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. That, yeah, that's it's, just going to be quite a project. It would be a big project. Yeah. That'll we'll do the Jandek season after we do the Matt Farley season, which will which Deal. will take us yeah. for the rest of Man, our lives. A, a Jandek podcast would be pretty crazy as an undertaking. Yes, I, especially because I I'm not at this point prepared to do that. Like I don't I don't have, no. but I I've yeah. always wanted to. It's just it's a. Uh, that's it's a no, lot. only so many hours in the day. <laughs> only so many hours in my life, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, Dead Man, Dead Man, great song. Just it's not like it's not not one of the hits by any means, you know. I um, I think in it's terms one, of like, it's one of my. I like it better than Groom's Still Waiting at the Altar. Yeah, me too. Um, which no no cool. shade on on Groom's Still Waiting at no, the Altar, but just totally. it's such a um. I, like I, just this like kind of he, he's starting to get the reggae influences in I think this is like the first kind of sign of that but it doesn't have that really anesthetized clinical feel that you get on infidels this it's is got like that funky like uh, it's funky yeah. and it's raw and it's just like this is a, like if he made a whole record that sounded like this man I would be I would be there for that yeah, I imagine like uh, bonfire. Like this, it'd be a good song to be playing when well, there's a bonfire and people doing some sort of uh, uh, ceremonial dance around a bonfire. We should all let's get together and do that sometime. That sounds sure. great. We'll do it at the uh, Moturn Extravaganza next year. Deal. How did that? How'd that go? By the way, it was so great. Uh, we were in a little pavilion in the backyard of an inn where they usually hold weddings and. Um, we uh we had uh, we sold 38 tickets and um which is a record for me that's a and, good turn um, especially in the middle of a pandemic that's a hell of a turnout yeah and they came from all over you know uh ohio north carolina uh, jersey new york wow uh we did six, 63 songs 63 over the of three sets how long yeah. were these sets like how many uh, hours about an hour hour 20 per set give or take wow um, so you played like and, four or five hours yeah, the the whole thing was five hours, just with like twenty minute breaks between uh, sets one and two and two and three. Incredible! And, I mean, it was great. So 
I just finished mixing the live album. There's 50 tracks on it. There's going to be a live release. Oh, yeah. Three versions of the Timothy Chalamet song. We did Timothy Chalamet <laughs> in each set. Yeah, it was that good. Evan's not going to like that song. Why not? You're anti-Timothy. Oh, I'm ambivalent. I just don't really want to see him play Bob Dylan in a movie. Yeah. Well, fortunately, have I don't you seen the video happen. where where some guy does a cell phone of Timothy Chalamet at like a newsstand, and like, he's like, "Hey, Chalamet," and then Chalamet turns tells him to turn the camera off, and then the guy just starts yelling at him. Have you seen that? No, no. he starts yelling at him. So he immediately goes from me like, "Hey, Chalamet, how's it going?" Yeah, and then Chalamet's like. Turn your camera off. And he's like, F you, Chalamet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great <laughs> kind of New York uh, thing. Uh, look into it. Anyway, Dead Man, Dead Man. Um, I've been listening to good. it the whole and time that, you've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, Real quick, before we, right? before we jump to summertime, want to plug hot, hot, hot version on Trouble No More of Dead Man, Dead Man, the Live 81 version. Ooh. That that I think is where I learned to love this song initially. Uh, so anyone, yeah, listening, what an, like, go spin that. What a surprise! What a surprise that album, that Trouble No More, like so many great live moments. So on much that great. Thing. It's like, just a wow. treasure trove of good shit. That's kind of what I'm hoping we're gonna. Well, I, you know, it's the springtime in New York is coming soon. By the time folks listen to this, it's gonna be just a couple days away. But uh, I'm hoping there's there's the same kind I'm of thing. I'm pumped. I can't wait. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, me, me too. Alternate I, alternate version of Lenny Bruce. Let's fucking go. Is there? Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, we're going to wonder gonna, how long the taxi ride is on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I rode with him in a taxi all the time I, we would do with this. <laughs> it was I would always he was just my taxi buddy. I can't wait to hear what <laughs> other incredibly clumsy metaphors and similes he has on that one he kind of makes it hard to cover that song you know by including the taxi line it's very difficult for anyone else to perform it you know <laughs> that's a good point it's a metaphor for, you say it's a metaphor yeah, for a number of reasons uh now we now. can say that we're in the summertime Boy, this is a, a oh, an end a of standard. summer, Go. you know, Beautiful moment. Summer. Right now, we are in the end of summer, the dog, the dog days. days, as they say, and and this song feels just so special, so perfect. Times, yeah. You want to hear this in the waning days of summer as you're reflecting on the joys and and disappointments of your summer in the summertime. Probably one and of the most immediate, one. just immediate, like ah, heart melter. Love it. Yeah, it, it's another one that feels like a pop song that Bob is doing a loose, uh, laid-back cover of, you right. know, in the garage, and much like Heart of Mine. Like in this, I think it's it's a superb uh, composition, and uh, I I haven't looked up any covers. Have you guys uh, seen any good covers of it? Of no. it? The, the Dead would the Dead do it sometimes? The, I, I don't know. know that the Dead ever did this. Boy, if if they if they or Jerry did this, that would be. Oh yeah. That would be beautiful. They would do Heart of Mine, though, I think, a lot, right? Did they or do Heart of Mine? Do, I don't know. The I don't dead know one. if they did Heart I of Mine. I thought the dead would do Heart of Mine. And we I'll have to look that up. But That'd be great. But I, I think In the Summertime is, is superb. And, and here's the thing. Like, what, what makes a great album? Um, like, how many hits do you need on a great album? And I, I would argue uh, we got um, shot the, the title track. We got um, Heart of Mine, In the Summertime. Every grain of sand, 
and I'm throwing in groom still waiting at the altar. I mean, five, just like turn it on and uh, immediately people are happy. That, I mean, that, just great that's music. a success in my book. You know it's what that is? Music, yeah. It's yeah. good music. Exactly. Yes. I, I would, uh, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you. I would say the one thing about shot of love, the title track, I, so, I sort of, sometimes I feel like a little bit, uh, lukewarm on it because it reminds me of some of the sort of cock rock, uh, theatrics of the 80s that i don't particularly yeah. like eye of the tiger right totally that's not eye of the tiger that's not music that any of us would uh really ever like get down to but bob doing this weird semi-christian version interpretation yeah. of it like that <laughs> that is compelling like that is something that you got to hear you love to hear it back to in the summertime just some of the most um effortlessly spectacular harmonica beautiful harmonica work yeah and and this song just Beautiful, feels everything. so cohesive and full, and um, maybe that's the harmonica doing the the trick on this song. It feels I think like so. I think is this the only song on the record with the harm with the harmonica? I think so. Yeah. Well, every grain of sand has it. Uh, oh, that's right. Because this version of every grain of sand. Yeah, that's right. We'll get the, there. The two best songs. You're maybe. you're hanging out with the dogs too much. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, well, actually, every grain of sand is the next song and the last song. No, 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 no. no, 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 no it no, is. No, there's no, there's no, no other no. song between in the summertime <laughs> and every grain of sand. Well, let me. I just want to really just hit home one more time. Uh, in the summertime, superb composition. Like, it is. It is beautiful. Uh, Frank Sinatra could totally perform this song, it's you know, beautiful stuff. and it yeah. would be, it would be gorgeous in the um, summer wind. <laughs> and, and, and I love just the looseness of it. Like it even feels sometimes Bob is not completely singing into the microphone at times. Like yeah. that's how loose it is where he's just like, he turns his head a little bit and anyone else would say, let's redo your vocal track. And he's like, no, 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 it's good. Exactly. And he's right. Again, he's totally right. Exactly. This is the one. This is the one with the magic, and that's the one that's on the record. It, I, I think it's an interesting song, especially because it, like, sort of, like, in the summertime, in the summertime when you were with me. It's such a simple kind of classic sentiment and oh, feeling. Yes. But the verse is actually, like, there's kind of a lot going on there, and I don't know that I've still gotten through all of it. Like, I got the heart, you got the blood. We cut through iron, we cut through the mud. Then came the warning that was before the flood that set everybody free Fools, they made a mock of sin. Our loyalty, they tried to win, but you were closer to me than my next of kin when they didn't want to know or see. Like, that's, there's a lot there. There's so much there. And and it seems like uh, I'm excited to hear more songs like that on uh, Springtime in New York, because from what we've heard of Springtime in New York so far, the next bootleg series, it seems like it's really all about that kind of verbose lyricism but with that kind of carefree summertime feeling like this really interesting period for Dylan, like songs like, um, it's too late or, uh, whatever it's called too late, uh, too late. Yeah. The weird, like proto version of foot of pride. And it's also a kind of proto version of Joker man, I think. Um, yeah. I, you texted me that the other day. I didn't text you back. I don't, I don't, you 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 gotta play you gotta like listen to it again but just the way it's structured if you like play in your head the uh, verses of joker man and then the way that it goes into but it's too late to give it back too late too late instead of oh it's kind of like the same structure interesting i'll go back and listen to it anyway uh in the summertime has uh it would fit right on at right at home there is in the summertime does it appear at all in any form on uh, 
springtime in New York? Uh, let's see. There is a lot of Shot of Love material on there, which uh, I'm really glad that we are uh, are so pro Shot of Love. Now and and that's proof. This. That's proof in the pudding that not only does Shot of Love appear on Trouble No More, the collection of live Christian, primarily live Christian uh, material, but it, it has enough non-specific DNA in it that it it bridges that gap and it's going to appear on this whole other collection that is not focused on that. There's no there's no summertime on Shot of Love, but there or on Springtime in New York it looks like, but there is a ton of like most of the outtakes it looks like on the record are going to be focused on Shot of Love. Mystery Train, Angelina, there's a version of Angelina on the first bootleg series, Price of Love, I Wish It Would Rain, Cold Cold Heart, First Slippers, Borrowed Time, Is It Worth It? Yes sir, no sir. There's like 12 songs or something that are all just like left on the cutting room floor from wow. the start of love sessions. I guess they couldn't have wait. put in the summertime on springtime in New York for obvious reasons. Yeah. Right. Good yeah, point. Good call. It's the wrong season. Uh, yeah, I just want to, I just brought, uh, I want to go on record and agree with you guys. I and I, oh, no good. Stinker. <laughs> Super clunk. That, yeah. That's where the clunkiness, Two thumbs down. The clunkiness works. Clunkiness works on this album, but but he's going for like importance in in I and I he's clunky and trying to be important whereas in this one he's clunky and but and he's just ha- trying it, to be energetic yeah and it right. happens to have depth too right. but it doesn't yeah th- this is a if I can make a food metaphor that just sprung to my mind you know if if I and I I mean if a shot of love is like a hard boiled egg or you just you know you put it in and you you just sense when you're it's when it's time to take it out and it's you got a good hard boiled egg. Then uh, I and I is you left it in too long and it, you get that chalky yolk. You get that gray ring around mm-hmm. it. You know it's a little too it's a little too much. You're using the same carefree method, but you're actually kind of you're working a little too hard. I was. Um, I just want you to know this is. I had the vinyl playing um, side two. Beautiful. Yesterday in preparation for today. But, or just like any other day in my life, side two of Start of Love was playing every on the day. Table, of course. But I, I, I walked by my five-year-old just as trouble was ending. And he was not paying. He was in the midst of a project. But I just said to him, I said, uh, what do you think this song is about? And he said, trouble? Trouble! Trouble! <laughs> you got it. It's you got point. it, kid. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I, I well, don't think that okay, that's a trouble. really... Uh, you, you're not really doing your son any favors, but into that story, I'm sure he's smarter than that. I was, I was impressed. Um, first, I just want to say, I like that little uh, riff. Maybe the just the the ugliest ten or fifteen seconds of Bob's entire discography. You know, it's it's so hilarious to me that there's a song like "Groom Still Waiting at the Altar," a song which seems to like have this extremely detailed and to the point of obscure uh, idea about like an apocalyptic uh, scenario. You know, where the the phones aren't ringing and like people are the cities are on fire, and then there's a song after that point <laughs> on the record that just that feels the need to reiterate that trouble. It exists as a concept. Like I, I feel like we've already 
cross that bridge. Like maybe uh. maybe you could have put trouble earlier on in the in the record, and then later, you know, um, it's it's clear that we're dealing we, with. I think you've said this, but <laughs> there would be no dignity if not for trouble. Mm. I think you guys maybe even that? said this because it's. Well, or maybe it was me listening to you oh. and thinking it. Like I have conversations with you uh, when you when I'm listening to your podcast. Uh, that's how but, um, podcasts go. <laughs> you you you're so right you though. I'm it's like, like it could have been like a whole thing, like like Dylan's sort of seven deadly sins series or something. You know where it's dignity, like, dignity trouble, trouble, gluttony, yeah, pestilence. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. but when he <laughs> sings about a top, like later in his career, he would just take a topic, you right, know, right, and right, that right. would be the song. And Dignity is probably the the uh, the best song of of those types. Uh, um, but um, I think this was a stepping stone towards dignity. So for that reason, you know, that's um, that that gives trouble a little more uh, validity. Anything that gets us closer to dignity is is a is a positive in our book. I believe in that statement with my whole heart. <laughs> but I some- uh, also. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I want to go on record. It's I also want to go on record. Silvio, great song. Big fan of Silvio. Oh, of course. We love Silvio. Yeah. Yeah, and that could have been right on, right at home here. Silvio, silver and gold can't buy back the beat of a heart gone cold. That reminds me a little bit of uh, Water Down Love, <laughs> or Property <laughs> of Jesus, or any song on here. <laughs> dead man, dead man. Uh, so. Yeah, so trouble, 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 whatever. It's a it's a placeholder. We could have lived. We could have lived without it. I don't hate it by any means. Trouble it, in um, the water, trouble I, in the air. Go all the way to the other side of the world. You'll find trouble. Goddamn! I'm starting to it like do be trouble. Like that. You know, I'm thinking about it more now. And I, like, as much as I was clowning on it a second ago, now that you know, you think about it as like the second to last song. It's sort of like a record yeah. that gives you right before. The last song, it's Every Grain of Sand, it's kind of comical or like it's kind of cool to be like, ain't that like what a world. <laughs> That's what this song does because like it, what a world we live in, huh? It does have big penultimate song energy, I think. Like this is th- this is the <laughs> only place on the entire record that this song could appear is w- like right before the end. And you know that you want to get to the end because there's a great song after it and you just want to skip it. But you're not going to stand up and actually go over to the turntable and pick up the needle. The thing is that he's right in this song. It's true. He is right. Trouble, trouble. <laughs> trouble, trouble. Nothing but trouble. Trouble in the city, trouble in the farm. You got your rabbit's foot. You got your good luck charm. But they can't help you none when there's trouble. Trouble, trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Nothing but trouble. trouble. I would listen to trouble. I'd listen to trouble before any track unsaved. Whoa. Wow. Any track on Saved. Yep. Him's fighting Any words. one of them. Well, you know, that's we don't come here to, to speak mildly about uh, Bob. We thought we were going to get through this without a hot take from the master. Uh. Of course. <laughs> uh, okay, a few other things just to get off my chest. Um, desire. Um, desire is so good. Okay. okay. I'm, with you on, I'm with you on Desire. Beep, 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 beep. This just in, folks. Desire, very good album. I, I, you know, you guys kind of bullied me last time I was on the show, and you said Whoa. Planet Waves. I apologize. Does not, does not, does not belong in in a trilogy along with Blood on the Tracks and Desire. And I let you guys bully me, but I'm I'm coming back and I'm saying yes, Planet Waves, 
to desire. That is the gosh darn 70s trilogy for Dylan. And, and Planet Waves is good enough. Um, it, it's the the least of those three, but it, it it's wait a, wait. Planet Waves album. is we are we no, are pro Planet Waves. I'm gonna podcast. say I'm gonna say Planet Waves is a better album than Desire. Oh no 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 no, that's crazy. Look, and I don't know. Look, the the live version <laughs> of ISIS is amazing. Yeah. but the studio version of ISIS is also amazing. it's not one or the other. They're both superb. Interesting. So I just want to say that. Hurricane is the most overrated Dylan that's song. True. Um, that's, that's true. That's that's true. Because it's like his most streamed. Is yeah. it really? I think. Or I mean, it's in his top five on Spotify. Yeah, it is kind I'm of like sure. it's like a Billy Joel song, kind of. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a story three song of his most number three. Yeah, wow, it's just too obvious. It's so obvious. It's such an obvious song to to me. Like. It just doesn't do it for me, but but I mean, like Oh Sister and uh, yeah. Isis and and whatnot. I mean, that Desire is is incredible. I'm 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 st- I'm trying with Street Legal. I'm trying to get into it because of you guys. Uh, it's not working yet, but I'm gonna keep Street trying. Legal. Keep not working work. on it. You're gonna get there. I think I might be saying that these days that I'm. I think. Are you anti street legal now? No, no, again? no. I'm not anti street legal, but I, I'm starting to just think about uh, Planet Waves as being like the, the, uh, the seventies version of Shot of Love. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. Well, that's a concept we can explore further that. on our next <laughs> uh, revisited episode, which will be coming up very shortly. Yeah, it's something. I, so not much. I'm completely talking oh, out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me take over for you then. Not much needs to be said for the final track because uh, it's it's we don't need to convince anyone. Oh, that uh, every the final of track of great. Uh, yes, every great shot of, of love. Yes, the final track of shot of I'm love. Getting us back on track here. Thank um, you. And but I will. I I hate to. Ian, I'm sorry, but much like how the live ISIS and the the, the studio ISIS can exist separately, oh, okay. I feel the same All way right. about about. The dog version, which I love, love the dog version, but I also love the 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 record version um, of Every Grain of Sand. That's both fair. Of, both of them, both of them superb. And I mean, oh, for but, for any new listeners, so, just, uh, Matt Farley's is r- remarking upon the demo version of Every Grain of Sand, which is uh, features a dog. Yes, the demo version on the, uh, the first bootleg series release that's uh, like two, three minutes long and yeah, has uh, has some lovely backing vocals provided by a barking dog. And dog backwards? Now you're think, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Good point. Very good point. So, I mean, what a song, though. Just like wh- knocking it out of the park, saving the best for last. Absolutely. And, and you get, you understand like the, that every grain of sand is what the music critic wants, you know? Right. It's, it's got lyrical depth. It's got like, it's got a, you know, it's a well-crafted like melody and like it, you can wrap your head around it. And so like even, even the contemporary reviews um, are, are positive about that song. Yeah. This um, one was a big hit they, on the uh, Rolling Stone review. This was the one where the guy was like, oh, this is, this is one of his greats. Even after I spent the rest of this review shitting all over him. It's so sad yeah. to imagine Dylan getting like crestfallen about the negative response to this record. Cause look at the cover of it. It's so <laughs> cute. You know, it's like shot of love, <laughs> shot my, of new, love. my new album. And it has one of these like most, the most like raw and like stripped to the heart 
spiritual songs he's ever written on it. And the rest is at least fun. So it's like, really, what an L for for us as a culture uh, to, to not greet this record with um, some warmth when it came out. Well, it has made Amen. for a rewarding... Uh, journey uh, throughout uh, the last four decades, I think, because we are we are here. We are we are v- the vanguards of the shot of love, uh, you know, reconsideration com- uh, committee that is going to get even further yeah. ammo with the release of Springtime in New York. I think that given enough time, I think all of this stuff is going to come back around, uh, just like uh, chewing gum, uh, and. Um, some some of it takes a little bit longer. Some of it, uh, you know, happens a little bit quicker. But there's there's a wealth of beauty, I think, to discover and uncover, even in a record that has as ugly a song as Trouble. Trouble, trouble. Even in every sparrow Imagine. falling, even in every grain of sand. Yes. Think think about that Letterman version of uh, Joker Man. Like that Letterman version of Joker Man is what kind of what Joker Man would be if it were recorded shot of love style. Right. I think. Well, I'm glad that that and, didn't and happen. Just that. So. Well, I think there well, are. Wait, re- you, you prefer the. I prefer uh, the original prefer the Joker. Version yeah, hundred percent. But I okay. like. I mean, I really uh, like I'm the Letterman. the Letterman version. But you know what? I would love to to agree um, with you here. I would love a a Joker Man that is in the style. It, it sounds a little bit more like. Um, like uh, heart of mine, or, or or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know that Fall- sort of falling apart. No, no, just that free sort of like uh, straight up. I know what you mean. Is what I'm saying. Like you know that that l- less fussed with sound. I think would also suit the song really well. There are rehearsal tapes apparently of Bob and the Plugs doing Joker Man and stuff. Uh, if they did it like a songs. little slower, you know, like I would, I would really like to hear that too. Hopefully, we'll get that at some point in the future. But yeah, anyway, Shot of Love. Just to wrap it up, really, like you know, a lot of this record, you know, it takes a little bit of time. You got to kind of work at it to to really get in Shot of Love mindset. But I think at the end of this record, it it all like regardless of whether you can appreciate this shit or not, like this one. Absolutely, just like is an all timer, uh, and even though I think the the version that's on the record is a little, a little long, a little kludgy, a little heavy for such a delicate and um, deft, I think, idea and lyric, it uh, it's still every grain of sand. So I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. Yeah, good point. You you got a point. I, and I mean, I I'm always pro looseness, and um, and that the dog demo is is even looser. The, than the the recorded version, and right. frankly, the record on the record, every grain of sand is probably the the least loose um, rec- song on that whole album. Right. So, right. Uh, almost as if he knew he knew he had something there, and he was in, and he he kind of bothered to 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 produce it a little bit more. Yeah. In a way yeah. that potentially detrimental. Yeah, that's a, that's a really astute point. It almost that that's what we love about the demo is that it. It has that vulnerability. Of course, I, I suppose it was just deemed unusable. If it weren't for that goddamn dog, I think we would probably have that version, like uh, on the record. Keep the dog. Like the I, dog I, makes yeah. it. Like I don't the know. Dog's I'm, I'm, be no, there. I'm yeah. not saying anything about the dog, but I think maybe whoever, uh, maybe Bob was like, "Well, I can't use the dog one." He should have. I mean, what about Caroline? No, you know. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Somebody should have said that to him. (laughs) Yeah, go back in time and be like, Brian Wilson. Yeah, the loneliest sound you can think of. Yeah. Uh, So just before we wrap up, um, Beach Boys love you. So good, folks. So good. Start to finish. And, And especially the second half of the album, like just, it's like you just, it's just like Brian Wilson ripping his heart out and just showing it to us. Like, just pure, um, you know, unfiltered, unfiltered Brian Wilson. And I'm just going on a limb here to also point out, in a similar vein, in a similar over-the-top, a little bit out-of-your-mind, crazy, no-holds-barred albums, maybe you've been brainwashed, too, by The New Radicals. The New, the new okay. Radicals? That one, that one, I think, is a step, a step further than even Evan and I can go. Not uh, disagreeing with you, but just in the sense of not having any sort of expertise on the New Radicals Yeah, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with their... Uh, I think Joe uh, Biden really likes the New Radicals. Yeah, yeah, they performed They played at, at the inauguration. Uh, inauguration. Yeah. They have one album. It's called Maybe You've Been Brainwashed 2. It it's got the hit, you got the, you know, Get What You Give. Right. But shockingly, it is a superb album from start to finish, and it's got that kind of manic... Uh, you know, no editor feel to it. Uh, so check that out sometime. All right. When we do the New Radicals episode, we'll uh, we'll have you back. And definitely once we get to love you in the uh, in the Brian season, we'll... Uh... Good. And I, I've already reserved a spot, if, if that's all right, for Lou Reed, Perfect Night in London Live. Oh, yes, yeah, so you've got Perfect that spot. Perfect Night in London Live. Yeah, it's... Uh... One of us has done our homework, you know. <laughs> well, no, I'm wondering if there's any particular reason. Oh. Uh, it's, it's the best Lou Reed album, that's why. Wait, wow. what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you, you like songs for Drella? I, I mean, did you read the title of the album? I mean, Lou agrees with me. It. It's perfect. He's, he's got a point. Shit. <laughs> the original rapper. All right, we are not out of the, the woods yet. <laughs> We've got to do a little something. We have to do something before we close the book. Are we? Yeah. Are we? Are we reissuing three I think star ratings? Is that I the think idea? We're reappraising the okay. thing wholesale. We okay. got to do it. Well. All right, Matt. You want to do the honors? I mean, um, shot of love. Not only is it a three star album, it's a top five Bob Dylan album. Wow. Top five all time three stars. It's definitely more than a one star, which is what Evan and I gave it previously. Um, I'm, you know, this is this is the challenge with three with the three star system. <laughs> I'm right in between, but you know what? Just to make up for for past wrongs, I'm gonna do a right and give it. I'm give it a solid three. Shot of love, three stars. Nice, Evan. Drum roll, um, please. I decided about. 20 minutes ago that I would give it three stars. Fantastic. <laughs> all right. Because sound the horn. Three you know, stars I, from all three. I was just looking at the cover. I was thinking about the end of the, how this record ends. I was thinking about all the ups and downs that this record gives you. I was thinking about how tight it is, how, 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 how well crafted it is as an album. Like, and I was thinking about how much Bob seems to like it. And it was just like, well, I, 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 uh, you know, what what do I want from a record album? This is like the the gold standard for like you should be happy with this type of record, you know? Yeah. If you get less than this, who are we? We the the consumers. That's how we think about. No, it. who are we to question Bob? <laughs> is what I'm saying. Exactly. Who are we to qu- question Bob Dylan? Who the poor man? He put himself out there, and th- there's that one interview 
He's like, I, I'm really proud of Shot of Love. That, like, it took, it, it's, you know, that story that Will Sloan tells about Orson Welles. Uh, the the well the story that Will Sloan tells that Peter Bogdanovich tells about Orson Welles right. Wells where um <laughs> let's just cut out Orson... the middleman of Peter Bogdanovich it's the story Will Sloan tells <laughs> <laughs> it's Will Sloan's story about how Orson Welles once ripped on one of his own movies and then privately said I, I love that movie you know and it hurt like he loves all of them and so does Bob you know and it hurts Bob's feelings when we when we criticize them no more non three star album okay. we can't do this to Bob. All right. every We're... Bob Dylan album is a three star album <laughs> well we did it we did it we guys. did it we took a shot of yeah, love that, the revisited series is us just going back to give them all three st- <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, also, I, um, down in the groove, way better uh, than knocked out, loaded. Down in the groove, three stars. Possibly better, <laughs> possibly better than Empire Burlesque. And I used to be real high on Empire Burlesque. Wow, I really that, did. well, that's 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 yeah, that's that's another hot hot take there. Rank strangers to me, great song. It is Ugly great. Girl well, in the I world. Write it, but it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great I, I song. Ranks. I would like to write a song called Rank Strangers to Me uh, where I just go be, be like, that guy over there, he's an eight. <laughs> Ra- over oh, you're there, ranking the strangers. He's, he's number seven, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I, <laughs> That's very good. Anyway, um, uh, and yeah, Oh Mercy, yeah, oh Mercy, pretty good album too. I just I had a lot to get off my chest. I listened to you guys, you know, most of my week in, is, is just listening to you guys and I just have a lot that I want to get off my chest. No. So it's, an, it's an honor we appreciate that, Matt. And and Matt Farley, yeah. just again, what 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 are you? What have you been up to? What should the people look up online? Yeah, plug so, yourself, please. What's the okay. latest? Um, well, I'm I'm trying. I'm I've I've resolved to make two feature film movies every year, beginning with this year, and I've I've reached my goal for 2021. Charlie Roxburgh and I are really about to release our second movie. Our other one is called heard. She got married. I watched it would make me so happy. I heard she got married. It's, it's great film tearing up the letterbox charts, five star review after five star review. Amen. And it, 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 we live in a world where like people respect the garage band. Like you can be a garage band and, and well received, um, by the pop, by, by the people. But when you're like garage filmmakers, which we are, it's it's a lot harder just to 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 get uh, any kind of notice. Nobody wants to sit and listen to your watch your garage movie, um, but I, I'm making them either way. And it would be nice if 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 uh, <laughs> a few more people watched them. But we're making <laughs> gosh darn works of art, and and I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to stop. So um, uh, Metal Detector Maniac is coming out in October. It is here's the synopsis, guys, real quick. Two bumbling songwriters investigate a metal detectorist i mean come on you've got me on the edge great. of my seat already when does it come out when I can yeah. when can i watch it gold ninja video releases this on blu-ray oh, in yes yes gold ninja justin declues gold ninja video yes wonderful it's so good and uh, and oh you know um if you want to be in any of these movies you guys just uh, let me know <laughs> uh, we're, i'll be shooting in the winter um 
Literally, Magic I, Spot is the name of the next movie. Nothing I, like New England in the winter, exactly where you want to be. Yes, I know. Well, this is this is the thing. It's like we always make summer movies and fall movies. You're but doing it's a like, winter. Film. Let's make a movie that celebrates the winter. Lots of scenes out in the cold. We're gonna regret it <sighs> oh, so is, much. This oh is my the, god, the Motern Media's uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. It, it would be an honor to die yeah. this way. I, I'm going to <laughs> contact you privately. Okay, yeah, come on up. Seriously, that'll be fun. Um, I'll, we'll we'll get you in there. And, uh, and then otherwise, um, if you guys want to meet the Joker men, come to Moturn Extravaganza because maybe they'll be there we, next time, next 2022. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Joker men live at Moturn Extravaganza. I mean, that would be incredible. That would be, that would be we might We might boost your ticket sales all the way up to 40 next yeah. year. <laughs> the two yeah, other tickets. Yeah, actually, we would, we would somehow bring it down. <laughs> It's so embarrassing that uh, I promote the show for a year and I get thirty-eight human beings to uh, to, to to pay. I lo- I lost two thousand dollars on this show. Look, you're <laughs> doing better than Van Gogh, who never saw a painting sold in his life. You know, that's a good point. Well said. Yeah, very good point. And uh, and yeah, life is good. I just got to keep singing name poop songs because that's where I make my money. Uh, go to TikTok and and search your name plus the word poop. And you'll find a name poop song, and you can make a video. It's 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 viral on on TikTok. Vi- yeah. Viral Bob. Yeah. I, I wonder if Bob has heard the Bob poop song. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, yeah. But hey, you got to pay the bills one way or another, and uh, and there's no funnier way to pay your mortgage than by singing name poop song. That's a good point. Well, um, can I can I do it? Can I end the show? Please. Jokerman. <laughs>